From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. If you ask the average person how a bill gets passed, they'll probably say it's all about the public hearing. But really, it's more about what happens behind the scenes. And having the right leadership to move a bill is key. One of those leaders in Ohio is Shane Wilkin, chair of the House Government Oversight Committee, who stood up to withering opposition and helped move the permitless carry bill through the political process and land it on the governor's desk. And in this episode of Keepin' Bear Radio, we'll talk to Shane about passing this bill, his campaign for the Ohio Senate, and what's next for gun rights in Ohio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Representative Shane Welkin. Hi, Shane. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dean. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So, Shane, I, under- I understand that you just got back from a quick trip to Cleveland with your family. How did that go? Well, it was just uh, me and the wife, and we actually went up there to uh, meet some other, frankly, good Republicans. And uh, we were they were discussing issues they have with solar fields. So, since I've got an influx of them down here in my district, we were just talking about the uh, kind of the do's and don'ts and and uh, things to look out for. So. It was a it was a work trip, but um, I'd never been to that part of the state. So about three and a half hours, a little more from my house to, to there. Yeah, I'll admit that I've not been to Cleveland probably more than four or five times my whole life, even though I've lived here in Ohio for decades. Last time, my wife and I did sort of a day trip, and it was kind of fun. We went to that, you know, that house in Cleveland where they filmed A Christmas Story. You know, oh, yeah. you know, Ralphie and the, he wanted the uh, Red Ryder BB gun. Uh, that, young kid should, right? that, that was a lot of fun. That, we spent way more time there than what I thought because you get the tour and they show you where they filmed inside and outside the house and all that. Then we went over to see they've got a submarine up there from World War II called the USS Cod. So now my wife did not want to climb around in that. She, she <laughs> stayed outside and watched an air show they were having because it's right beside an airport. But I, you know, I got down in it and you could tour the whole thing from the front to the back. That was just loads of fun. I mean, it's in, it's in really good shape and I recommend that to anybody. And then we went to uh, downtown and saw that Soldiers and Sailors monument. I, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but... It's just this gigantic monument. So we probably spent two hours there just looking around because, you know, there's a lot of history there. I've actually never, I've only been to Cleveland once and had a great time when I was there, but uh, I've not seen that. Uh, my sister lives in South Carolina, so I've, I've crawled around on a, on a uh, aircraft carrier out there, um, which is pretty amazing. Those, I can imagine how cramped the submarine was, so... Oh yeah, I mean I'm I mean I'm 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 like five nine, five ten or whatever, but you know, I'm bending over to try to, you know, crawl through uh and I can't imagine actually, you know, serving a tour of duty in spaces that cramped. I mean if you if you're not fond of tight spaces, you're not gonna do well on a submarine like that. Now I think they're a little bigger now, but man, that was that was really claustrophobic. 
I'm sure it would be. I'm sure it would be. So we're still celebrating Senate Bill 215. I guess everyone has their own way of celebrating this. For me, it was, you know, going out and getting a nice dinner, having a drink. Some people are writing, you know, these op-eds where they're still freaking out about it and uh, just wondering how, how you're feeling about it and what you're hearing about having constitutional carry finally legal in Ohio. Well, of course, I am very glad that we have constitutional carry now uh, legal in Ohio. And probably the, the good thing and the most interesting thing is since I believe it was July 13th, I have the date right when it took effect. Yeah, it was June or June, June 13th, 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 just a couple 13th, weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I, I, I set it back a month. But yeah, June 13th, I haven't heard a single word. I haven't seen anything crazy happen. I haven't, you know, everything that, that people were beating their chest on this was going to happen as soon as this went in. Um, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the same thing when we did uh, uh, concealed carry. It's, it's just, it doesn't happen the way that, that they, uh, they want to portray that things are going to happen once this happens. Yeah, this was probably, I mean, I think I could make an argument this was the most controversial bill of this General Assembly. When you really think about the change, now, you know, Ohio is a fairly gun-friendly state when you compare it to some other right. states like Hawaii or, you know, New York. But this was a pretty big deal. I mean, people can carry a firearm. If you're qualified to carry with a license, you're now qualified to carry without a license. That was a pretty big change. But, you know, there were a lot of opponents. You know, the way, as I counted, there were more than 200 opponents testifying against this bill. I mean, you had Ohio Mayor's Alliance, Fraternal Order of Police, Moms Demand Action, the League of Women Voters, the Catholic Conference, Cincinnati uh, City Council, uh, Happy Trails B&B, Shane, Happy Trails B&B testified against this bill. And I had to, when I saw that, I had to look it up. You know, Happy Trails B&B, what did they have to say? So they, you know, their comments were like, uh, you know, we have more than our share of gun violence in the state and allowing a bunch of people who have no idea how to safely carry a gun or simply aim a gun is asking for death. Death, Shane, were you asking for death when you were moving SB 215? No, I think what we were asking for is to restore, restore the constitutional right to keep and bear arms to the people of Ohio. Um, I think the other side mistakenly thinks that every single person now will run out and buy a firearm and not get training. Um, it, it just simply turns out not to be true. Um, you know, there's good responsible gun owners and, and a good responsible gun owners usually get training. Um, they help train, uh, they train kids. Uh, so as they grow up when they become of age, if they decide to carry for their personal defense and safety, then they can safely do it. Um, you know, we take our, I got two little girls, 11 and 12, and they love to shoot. That uh, they enjoy the sport of shooting. And we go to a, a range. They we haven't been for a while, but uh, we go to an indoor range here and just introduce them to different things. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it, it does, it, you know, it's a skill, it's a talent. When you want to get into that, um, me and my buddies will will go and, and set up our benches and, and try to do some long range shooting. Um, at the 750 mark, by the way, Dean, I was the only one to hit the mark. I was the only one to hit the target. 
Wow. So, uh, wow. So at a thousand, when we, when we stretched it out to a thousand, we were not remotely close. So, uh, there, we, we have work to be done, but, um, well, now I've, I've been out to, I don't know if you've been to Dillon Sportsman Center. So they've got a um, hundred yard range there and they've got a piece of steel at the other end. Now I can take my Glock 19, which is my carry gun, and I can hit that piece of steel. Now I've got to, I've got to take a moment and hold my breath, but I can hit it. So that's, that's not bad with those Glock sights, right? I would say that's incredibly good. My only question is how big is the piece of steel? It's all uh, right it's, yeah, it's, a, it's about, <laughs> I don't know, it's about a uh, foot and a half across. That's pretty good. That's, that's pretty daggone good. You know, with those Glock sights, I, I've got the original Glock sights, so it wasn't like yeah. it wasn't like it was a bullseye gun or right. anything. Um, just just plain old nine millimeters. So yeah, I, I didn't think that was too bad. I'd say that's incredibly good. But you know, as, as we were saying, I, I think you see most people uh, take it very serious. Um, they know you 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 know you, you pull a gun out for self defense. There's there's consequences that everybody has to live with, and uh, they're they're serious about it. They they. They don't want to do anything wrong, um, but at the same time, they don't want to be left defenseless uh, if their family decides to go to the theater or uh, and has to park maybe across from town in a good a good little walk. Or, uh, you know, my wife travels a lot in southeastern Ohio, and car breaks down. We have a lot of areas that still have a very limited cell service. Uh, it's a comfort, so it's 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 a comfort nobody wants to have. Nobody wants to have to use. But I'd sure rather uh, not need it and have it than need it and not have it. So now, Shane, you were kind of the knight in shining armor on this bill. Uh, and I, I think you're, you're kind of humble about that. But really, you know, we had another bill. There's House Bill 227. But that's stalled. And then so we had Senate Bill 215 sponsored by Terry Johnson. That ended up in your committee, the Government Oversight Committee. And you're the one who shepherded that bill through and that was not really business as usual, was it? I mean, because you had a lot of, you know, gun control people calling you, law enforcement groups, at least the unions were testifying against it. You even had members of your own caucus who were trying to bollocks that up. And there was even, to their eternal shame, a, a gun group out there that was trying to derail this bill. So you were taking a lot of flack and and you know, actually answering a lot of phone calls, even in the middle of the night. What was all that like? I mean, just just trying to handle all that and and making sure that this bill, you know, kept going forward. When you when you would think that members of your own caucus they would all support this. Well, I think the one thing to remember on, on that particular aspect, um, we do have a, a supermajority in the House with sixty four members, and a lot of those members come from very different areas than I do. So. Um, I think most of our members do their best to represent the constituents that they represent. And you get uh, suburban areas are a little different than, than the rural areas in which I represent and a large majority of our caucus represents. But um, nevertheless, uh, you know, strong, strong numbers from the Republican caucus to support this bill. Um, and we were glad to get it passed. It was a bit different. Um, you know, you have some that give just enough information to make it sound bad. But I would estimate, I don't have any way to, to show this, but I would estimate I probably spent in excess of 10 to 12 hours, somewhere in there, on the phone, calling people back that called and left me a message, 
um, you know, our, our cell phone numbers were pushed out and everybody was encouraged to call, call, call. So, uh, now I will tell you that's a bit aggravating. I had people calling me at two 30 in the morning, three 30 in the morning. Um, you know, no good calls come in at that time. And, and one of the rough parts was I had a friend of mine that was hospitalized on a vent with COVID. So when it ring in the middle of the night, you were thinking this is the worst news coming in. And it, uh, you know, unfortunately, it, it never came in at that time, but unfortunately that, that friend of mine did end up passing away. But, um, so that's, that's a, a bit of a struggle, but it was amazing that 99% of everybody I followed up with indicated this is kind of not what we were told. And I think we ended up, you know, as, as chair, your job is to, to see a bill through, um, to make sure you've got it in the good spots where it, when it gets to the floor that it can pass and it's, it's worth passing, you know, no, at least me, I don't want to pass bills that don't mean anything. And this was a big step. And I think we, uh, we had a really good bill. You know, we, we paired it with the, the license where if you're disqualified for a license, you're disqualified from a uh, permitless carry. Um, I'm sure there'd be some that would argue that maybe that, that shouldn't be the way it is, but I think that's a, a great place to be. Uh, it was a good spot for us to land. It was good with our law enforcement. Uh, we addressed the duty to notify, um, where if asked, you answer. Um, me personally, I don't have a problem if somebody asks me. Uh, I think, frankly, it probably helps diffuse the situation if you're honest and say, yes, in fact, I do. And here's where it is. Um, you know, the, 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 the one with bad intent that's hiding it or, or not telling, there's probably a reason behind that. So uh, I think we ended up with a really good bill, um, had a lot of help. Obviously, you guys were tremendous help, everybody with Buckeye. and. Uh, your friends over at the NRA were very helpful in getting information that people had requested. And uh, I, I think we ended up with a really good, really solid bill and it makes us a very gun-friendly state here in Ohio. And I'm, I'm proud to do that. And, you know, people talk about when we pass bills like this, that we don't care. Um, we don't care about a kid to get shot or we don't care about that. Well, that's, that's insulting and obviously very false. Um, uh, we do care, but, um, it's it's a, it's tough to remove everybody's rights. Um, if, if we start down that path, uh, it's a very very different things can happen across the board. But um, you know, we want people to be safe. We want people that are that are able to carry to carry, um, and we want responsible, law-abiding people that have the ability to protect themselves. That's the main thing. That's what we tried to do, and I think we we hit a pretty good spot. Yeah, I mean, uh, my background is marketing, so I've, I've studied people a lot, you know, psychology, and everything that I've read leads me to believe that people's behavior is pretty persistent. If you're a good guy now, you're going to be a good guy later when a law passes. If you're a bad guy now, you're going to keep being a bad guy. It's not like you pass a law and good people suddenly just flip out and become bad. I think a lot of this, a lot of the opposition is just kind of a phobia. I mean, I've heard some of the gun control folks talk as if, well, yeah, you're law-abiding right up until the point where you pull the trigger. So it's just like, you know, anybody randomly can just become a murderer. I don't believe that. I, I, I trust most people to be pretty good most of the time. And I think that's, that's the big difference between the way we see it and the way that opponents see it. I think they just have a great distrust of the general public. 
going along with what you're saying, I, I don't know if that boils down to the controls of, of what people can and can't do. I, I'm, I'm not sure where they go with that, but um, yeah, you know, I, I've had my concealed carry for years. Um, I don't carry all the time. I do carry some of the time. Um, if I know I'm going to be traveling with my wife, and as I mentioned, I've got 11, 12-year-old girls. Um, if we're going to be traveling a distance, then yeah, I would probably, uh, I'd probably have my, my carry pistol with me. Um, it's just a, a matter of safety. And, you know, you get out on the road, you never know who's going to pull up. But I think you're exactly right. Um, the, the guy robbing you with or without a gun is breaking the law already. Um, their ability to, to, to carry a gun is probably already restricted. And, uh, the law is irrelevant to them. It doesn't, they're already breaking the law. So I agree with you that, that you have good and bad. And the, uh, the theory that I don't think anybody pulls that trigger, wants to pull that trigger uh, in self-defense, but will if it comes to protecting themselves or their family. So the permitless carry bill, SP 215, was our absolute top priority. Our other priority was uh, the armed teacher bill. That finally passed. Fortunately, both of those were signed. And the third, you know, being real quick on the armed teacher, what, what really got me was the arguments on the House floor were almost like if we pass this, then the school district has to arm the teacher. And that's simply not true. Um, if you don't want to allow your teachers to do that, you don't have to. But again, I'll, I'll reference my district. Um, we only have one city in, in the county. Everything else is small villages. Some have very limited police, and you could look at a 15, depending on where uh, deputies and, and troopers might be located, you could look to a 15 to 20 minute response before anyone arrives. And that, as you know, is an eternity if you have a bad situation going on, whether it's at a school or wherever it may be. Um, so it's, it's strictly it's up to the school board. And again, uh, I know the friends down at TDI that do the faster training. I have, a, I have a good friend of mine that has been through it, and he will tell you it is tough. It is nerve-wracking. He's like, they really put you through it in the best possible uh, scenarios that you can of, of realism. What it is, it's a realistic test. So I just I just wanted to throw that in. That that's, that's not a requirement, but um, I, I've had zero trouble out here with any of the schools that have uh, – Armed teachers. Uh, my kids go to public school. Um, it doesn't bother me at all if there's someone there. Yeah, people uh, are talking about this and still talking about it as if we were suggesting that someone stand at the front door of the school with a box of Glocks and they're just handing them out as the teachers file in. And really, this was about home rule. This was about returning the authority to the school board. And I'm always telling people, look, if you oppose this, if you're in a district who doesn't want to do it, fine. You know, you have elected school board members. You elect them, you have your say. If you don't want it, don't do it. But why are you trying right. to, why would you want to prevent Shane and his district if they want to do this or others in other districts? Because, you know, we've had, frankly, armed teachers and staff for about 10 years at least in this state. And there was never much debate about it. Until this bill, when people suddenly started to think, well, you're going to force everyone 
to be armed. That was never the case. Never. This was all voluntary. No, and I think a lot of schools do a great job at it that uh, you don't even know the faculty that's carrying. Even if you're one of the people carrying, it's on a rotation. Uh, There's very few people who know who's carrying that day. So it it rotates around, which I think is a great system because if the the staff doesn't know, the kids don't know. And uh, I think the other misnomer is the, the teacher's walking around class with it on his hip open where somebody can grab it. Um, you know, they, they may have it concealed, but I don't think it's, it's not the wild west where they've got a, a low slung holster on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, then there's this other bill. So our third priority, uh, is the, what we're calling the emergency bill. Now there are actually two of these bills, HB 325 and SB 185, SB 185 is sponsored by Tim Schaefer. Now, that's the one that's in your committee now. So, I guess I'll just kind of put you on the spot. That's going through the Senate. Now it's in the House. So, uh, what's next for this bill? Well, it's it's obviously a bill that uh, we're we're in favor of because we passed Scott Wiggins. That's been over in the Senate for quite some time. Uh, We'd like to see some action on that one as well. Um, They're a little bit different. So... uh, we are, you know, it's it's going through the legislative process is, is the best thing I can tell you at this point. So you're not going to have a lot of time to deal with it uh, when you get back, right? Because you're going to, when when do you guys reconvene? I don't know if you'll see us back before November with, with the, you know, we've got the special primary coming up on August 2nd, which unfortunately I, I'm on that ballot. All the general or all the House members are, all the, the senators that are up are on that. And then your state central committee people are going to be on that. Um, turnout is a big concern. How many people will we have show up? Um, and it's one where two or 300 votes, if we have limited turnout, some are, I've heard between five and 7%, maybe all that turns out to vote. So a couple hundred votes in a house district or a Senate district can really, really swing the pendulum a good bit. Um, and I'm hoping that, uh, our, our gun friends and, and our, our good people get out there and vote, uh, to keep, frankly, myself, I, I I am I am running for the Senate, so uh, you know. But I've got to have help in, in the form of uh, voters showing up to the box. So yeah, that's. I mean, that leads me to my next question because I was going to ask. You're in what is it? You're in District 91 in the House now, and Correct. you're running for District 17 in the Senate. So Correct. what's so what's prompting you to move over to the House? I mean. Just more, just more, yeah, just more, um, yeah, move over to the Senate, I'm sorry. So uh, what's what's the idea behind that? Is it just more comfortable chairs over there, or what's uh, what's going on? Well, I've never got to sit in one, so I don't know. But, um, uh, you know, frankly, our, our Senator Bob Peterson, who I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, with the term limits in Ohio, has turned out. So that seat opened up. Uh, gives you a little more time to work on things. We would be looking at uh, four years terms instead of two. Um, you know, one of the one of the things the day you get sworn in, uh, I know one time the speaker told a class, he said, congratulations, you've all been elected to the uh, House of Representatives in Ohio. Bad news is your petitions to run for reelection are due in 11 months. <laughs> so it's it's a you know, the two year term is a very short, short time frame. And uh, I'm hoping with uh, the things that I like to work on and focus on that if I'm given a uh, four-year term, if the people see fit to elect me to that spot, that uh, I can work on even more and, and get things through. Because a lot of a lot of things I work on are hard to get through in a year, 
and or two years, and the clock starts over if you don't get them through. So it can take a while. So District 17, it's really hard to visualize some of these districts. So that's like east of Cincinnati, right, Chillicothe area, like yeah, from. So if you start at Highland County and go all the way to Lawrence County and up to uh, Fayette, and then take a little notch out for Pickaway and take in Hocking and a little bit of Perry. Everything south of the river from there. So it's nine and a half, nine and a half counties. Yeah, and it, it goes all the way down to the border, right? Like down oh, yeah, to, like, like down to Ashland? Farthest south, southern point in Ohio, south point Ohio. Yeah. So, uh, so how's that campaign going? Because you're you've got a little more little more territory to cover now, right? Yeah. So that makes it uh, that makes it a little more difficult. But the the best you can do is get out, and meet people, uh, make friends to help you across the way that are like minded. Um, you know, good Second Amendment, pro life uh, people that, that think like I do. So, uh, you know, we try to be very business friendly. Um, the Business Fairness Act, where you can't pick and choose and, and close down some businesses while keeping other businesses open. Uh, I was proud to sponsor that one as well. A little off the topic from what we typically talk about on this podcast, but was another very important bill. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, that's what we're doing. I do have a I do have a primary opponent, um, and I'll have a general opponent. So it's gonna it's gonna take time and resources to uh, get back in there. We've given you an A plus. Buckeye Farms, Buckeye Farms Association has endorsed you. Now that A plus, that's hard to earn. We do not give those out like candy. You've got a, you can get an A. You know, a lot of a lot of folks have an A, but to get that A plus, you've really got to get on your horse and tilt against those windmills, right? I mean, this this is something that you you really have to earn. We don't give out a lot of A pluses. Well, I mean, I, I greatly appreciate that, and I think uh, you know a lot of your members and I would be aligned in our way of thinking on, on, uh, firearm safety and gun ownership. Um, so, uh, you know, with, with, uh, Senate bill 215, we worked, you know, really cohesively very well with, uh, with your staff and, uh, we was able to get it through and, and get through a, a good bill, uh, a meaningful bill. It wasn't, it's not eye candy. It wasn't watered down. We didn't take or uh, remove anything that, that, you know, I, I had people, just a quick example, I had people say, well, you're saying I can't carry a church. And we're saying, we're, that's not what we're saying. We're saying the law is going to stay exactly the way it is. And it's up to you and the church. And as I told you, on all those phone calls I was on, there was a bunch of them. On all those phone calls, when I explained that to people, I'm going to say all but maybe one or two people in 11, 10 to 12 hours of phone calls. I think there was two people that said, shouldn't matter. And I said, well, everybody else disagrees. And they said, it's the way it should be. It should be you and the church deciding, do you have to have training? Can anybody carry? Do you need to be part of the security team? I think that makes sense. Well, sometimes you get these bills, we call them Christmas tree bills, where you just load so much into it. The problem with that, I mean, you know, they're appealing because if you can get them passed, you can get a lot done. But at the same time, that just means you might have a dozen different arguments you're making, and it's a dozen different ways for the bill to be held up. So, you know, the best kind of bills, I think you would agree with this, are the bills that are pretty clean, where you have one strong argument, you deal with that to get it passed. So, I mean, we got this bill passed. I think it was a reasonably clean bill. Not as clean as when we first started a couple of years ago, really working on it. But 
you know, and went through the process. And I think it, it ended up being a pretty good bill. And we now have constitutional carry in Ohio. So, I mean, it worked, right? We got the job done. I, I think you're absolutely right. That does happen on some bills where if people see a good bill that's going to pass, then they start trying to throw things in. And uh, then on the, on the unfortunate side is we have some that are, we hope or think or are portrayed as being on our side that want to throw in that one poison thing that won't quite get the bill over the finish line. Um, and I had to put my foot down on a couple of things as the chairman. And frankly, I had other, uh, other members that wanted to add things in and, and I was an adamant, no, this is bill is going to be this bill and nothing rolled in, nothing, no big changes to where we can't get this passed. So, um, like I said, I've, I've said it a couple of times, and I don't mean to repeat myself, but I think we passed a really good, solid permitless carry bill that uh, takes safety into account and uh, protects our rights uh, under the Second Amendment. So, Shane, if you were to introduce another bill on, on gun stuff, what would you like to see changed? Goodness, you are putting me on the spot there. I mean, we, we've uh, we've done some pretty big things in in the in the recent past. You know, we've got the so-called stand your ground, really just mo- removing the duty to retreat. We have the constitutional carry. There was the armed teacher bill. You know, we've accomplished a lot in the last two, three years or so. In fact, uh, I was talking to Rob Sexton on a, I think it was Rob on a recent podcast, and the governor signed about nine bills. There were like six gun-related bills two knife bills and one big sportsman bill, which was, I think, actually in a budget bill that just did a ton for the Division of Wildlife. So I'm just kind of throwing it out there, just seeing, uh, you know, if if there were something that you would like to change, what would that be? So, Dean, I'd probably answer that this way. Uh, Right now, I think you're absolutely correct. We have passed a lot of really good gun legislation, and we've got Ohio in a very good spot as a very Second Amendment-friendly state. As, As in my opinion, every state should be. But maybe more of what I'd watch out for at this time is how are they going to come at us and want to restrict some of those rights? And we know there's some things floating around out there now that are going to address that. And that's why it's going to be important to keep keep the uh, pro-gun legislature in place going in the future because the, you know, the it, it's opportunistic. You, you never hear... Typically, you don't see a lot of focus on gun issue or anti-gun issues till there's an incident. Um, and, you know, we, we hate them as much as anybody else. Um, we don't like when those things happen. But I'm, a, I'm afraid my, my answer at this point would probably be we need to be, uh, we need to be very vigilant and keep a watch out for how they're going to come at us. Because, uh, you know, our, our court elections coming up are going to be really important. Um, to make sure we have good conservative um, judges on the Supreme Court, uh, or if not, everything's going to go to them. And we've had our struggles with them as of late as it pertains to redistricting. So, uh, unfortunately, we have some that think there's a, a couple of different ways to legislate. One can be from the from the General Assembly, and the other one can be from the bench at the High Court. Yeah, well, not, yeah, the the, the Ohio Supreme Court definitely has to change because there's been an awful lot of problems. Uh, we've discussed that on the podcast, too, uh, coming from one particular justice uh, that not only has caused us some problems, but caused you guys some problems, too, with all the redistricting. So I think when we get turnover in that particular seat, uh, things might be a little easier. I'll tell you one thing that 
the anti-gun folks are going to do. I think that they're wising up. I've been saying this for years. They're eventually going to wise up and come after preemption in Ohio. And we've got a situation kind of brewing now in Columbus where they want to use the Board of Health to regulate guns. That's a direct attack on preemption, which would, you know, if they were successful in being able to get around the preemption law like that, basically everything we've done in 20 years would fall. That That's yeah, just disastrous. You're, you're you're right on track there, and that's that's where uh, I'm talking about being vigilant. Is how are they going to come at us? And I can tell you right now that we've already started um, discussions on how 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 does that need to be addressed? Um, where, I mean, we know what it was like during the pandemic with a hundred and I won't be right on this number, but I think there's 110 or 114 health districts across the state of Ohio. So I'm just county wide. Some county and then the cities have their own health districts. But um, if you start doing that, I mean, can you imagine a hundred plus different set of rules? If you're a gun owner, yeah, and you would go into uh, you go into a, a city, you come to Columbus or you come to Highland County, and there's two dramatically different sets of rules. Um, well, yeah, I mean that that just defeats the whole point. When we passed preemption, that that was because you know I remember the the bad old days where you know I lived in Columbus and I was starting to shoot bullseye. There was, I've told this on the podcast before, there was just a particular bullseye gun, a 22. It just happened to have the magazine in front of the trigger guard. And so by Columbus's definition, that was an assault weapon. I could not buy that little 22 handgun to shoot bullseye out in New Albany where I was competing. Now, that, now that's ridiculous, but you would have laws like that all over the state. You know, it's sort of like traffic laws. You know, you can't have... Green means go in Columbus, and green means stop in Westerville or whatever, you know, that every town you go to, those laws are different. You can't have that for guns either because you could get in serious trouble just driving to the grocery store. Yeah, you could pass through a couple of jurisdictions. Um, You know, I always always kind of chuckled that uh, under some of the laws that the uh, other side would, would want, Everybody's 1022 is considered an assault rifle. And I don't know if there's a more popular. I have one. My it's what we use to shoot squirrels. Um, it's it's great. Uh, I love it. But you know, you, you get guns that are classified simply by the way they look, or simply by what they what they may hold pin or you know. There's there's lots of ways people can can alter and, and break the law even when it comes to guns. Um, trying to do some of the things they're doing is, is not not right. And uh, the uh, a, a hundred different sets of laws that could be enacted is it's not it's not the way to go. We end up with chaos. Yeah. Well, we're gonna keep an eye on Columbus and other places. Make sure that they and they've got a lawsuit, by the way, that's still pending because they're trying to sue the state over preemption. We'll keep an eye on them. And we'll handle that one way or the other. Well, Shane, thanks for being on the podcast. Good Thank luck. You, good good luck with your campaign for Senate District 17. Do you want to just give a quick pitch to anybody who might live in that district on why they should vote for you? Well, if you're watching this, you're probably a supporter of the Second Amendment. And uh, I'm very thankful to have the uh, the A-plus endorsed rating from Buckeye Firearms as well as the, uh, the NRA. Um, you know, it's part of our culture, part of uh, our how how we live out here. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we've probably lost the good old days where you 
deer hunting before you went to school and your your shotgun was in the uh in the rifle rack in your truck uh, so uh, that's that's an unfortunate thing but uh that that's where i am i'm a protector of the second amendment i'm a protector of life um uh, pro-business friendly i was the main sponsor of the business fairness act to say uh, hey you can't shut down uh, you, you can't shut down the, the family-owned jewelry store and leave all the big box stores open and and let them sell it you know comes down to fairness if you can um you can meet the health health and safety standards then you can be open um and all of those have been signed into law by the by the governor so i'm thankful thankful for that you know he's saying stand your ground and sign permitless carry and We've uh, we made a lot of progress, and I am asking for uh, everybody in the 17th district, asking for your help to keep me in there and uh, keep me working toward those goals and, and working for you. Pretty open at our office. If you call, we do everything we can to get back and help you solve your problem if you've got an issue. So I want to thank you, Dean, uh, again for the the rating, uh, the A plus endorsed, and I want to uh, just say thank you to your staff for helping us get Senate Bill 215 across the uh, finish line. Um, frankly, couldn't have done it without you know, your support and the support of the NRA. And uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Always happy to do it. Give me a call, and I will try to uh, I'll try to upskill on my IT so I don't have as much trouble where you can hear me. But uh, I will absolutely vouch that uh, you're one of the easiest people to get a hold of. A lot of people are not like that, but uh, I know that if I call or text you, you're always going to be right there. So, Shane, thanks for being on the podcast. Good luck with your campaign, and uh, we'll have you back when you win and talk about some more stuff. Sounds great. Dean, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to JoinBFA.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's JoinBFA.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.